Hey there, humans. Welcome to Sinister Soup, the show where we discuss genre fiction through the lens of ridiculous conversation, tasty beer, and rolling D20s. D20s! I am one of your hosts, Clay Vermullum. And I am your other host, Travis Vermullum. And today we're going to start the show like we always do. We're going to start with our Bring Some Culture segment, where we shout out something cool in the cultural, artistic world, whatever that might be. So, Travis, what do you got for Bring Some Culture today? Yeah, I got something I have actually recently utilized that I think is pretty cool. There is a used bookstore in Washington, D.C. called Capitol Hill Books, which... Obviously, that's the name of a Washington, D.C. bookstore. And they have a fun little thing they do called grab bag orders. You fill out this form, which basically includes your budget, authors, and genres you like, what you look for when reading. So I recently filled one out myself and set um, too high of a budget. Hopefully mom and dad aren't listening to this and scorning me for my money habits they Uh, are scorning you for those whether they're (laughs) listening or not that's true they'll they'll do that regardless (laughs) but anyway uh the form was pretty cool it kind of had like it didn't have a ton of options and i was like hmm i thought this would be more of like a checkbox thing where it was like oh here's your genres and here's what you look for but it's kind of like open-ended almost like just a open email or a forum on like a school submission website and I basically said I'm a fantasy fan, but I also like literary fiction. Um, and I look for stories with like uh, drastic character development at the heart and that are character for- focused more than plot focused. And they sent me a really awesome bundle of books and I was very impressed that I haven't read all but one of them. And the one that I have read is definitely one of my favorites from high school. So I'm very excited to dive into the others. Separate Piece by John Knowles was the only one that I had read. And that is a very like character involved story. So if the rest of them are as good as that book, then I think they are very good at their jobs. But if anybody wants a good little mystery package of novels sent to their door from Washington, DC, then Capitol Hill Books does it. That's great. That sounds really awesome. Yeah. It's like a like a, a bark box. Yeah, it is. But for like readers. A, like a bark box for book nerds. And the yeah. cool thing is they sent the email with like a picture of the stack and they were like this is a little over your budget, but we wanted to send you the whole picture of like the stack of books we're sending you in case you want to take some away. We went a little over your budget. And hmm. I was like I don't <laughs> like I'm fine spending a little more because this looks so good. So yeah, it's they give you a lot of options for taking away and fitting right where you want with your with your money. That's awesome. Yeah, I wonder if there's anything like that around here. I have to look into it. Yeah, that's probably more common a thing with like COVID. That's a cool way to like uh, for a bookstore to keep the doors open. Yeah, I bet it. It might have been a COVID project, and I hope they continue it now, though, because it's just a cool and neat idea, I think. Okay. Uh, me, I brought a submission site, which I found. So this is a different site that I'm going to shout out later, where I found the site I'm talking about today. Okay. <laughs> um, there is a group called Escape Artists, 
and they do audio versions. They're a, a literary magazine, but they do audio content pretty mm-hmm. much exclusively. So you submit to them and stuff just like any lit mag, but then they read your story instead of just publishing it in writing, mm-hmm. uh, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to shout them out later. But while I was on their site, they openly were advertising this other site to help writers find other places to submit their work and it's called the grinder um it is the grinder dot diabolicalplots.com and i think it might be set up by the by the escape pod people but it's really really cool um i've been like submitting through submittable for the past couple years Mm-hmm. and submittable while it gives you a lot of options and stuff there's a lot of limitations to it too and it charges lit magazines a whole bunch of money um mm-hmm. a year to to publish their things on it and there's just a lot of things that aren't good about submittable mm-hmm. um especially compared to this uh the grinder submission site this is awesome um you you can minimize your search, you know, like anything with a few filters. There's genre, word count, submission type, qualification, as in, is it a reprint? Is it simultaneous submission? Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, but what this site does that Submittable definitely doesn't do, that is really cool, is, so, for example, I put in fantasy, I put in uh, 6,000 words, and I put in novelette, and then I go search. And I get here 118 literary magazines that publish fantasy exclusively. Oh, wow. Um, And not only does it tell me that, it tells me whether they pay or not. It tells me how much they pay. It tells me the average amount of time it takes for them to respond to a query. Hmm. And it tells me when they tend to respond to queries. There's a little bar chart. So if you go in here to Youth Imagination... There's a like a bar chart that shows you by month when they were sending out all their rejections, when they accepted things. So like this one, for example, there's a big chunk of red. So it looks like they rejected everything mm-hmm. that they didn't want. And then they accepted everything all at once, two months after submission. And their average submission, is, their average response time is 21 days. And they respond to 93.3% of queries. Oh, wow. It even says here, rejections are personal. Rejections are not personal. This says 50% of rejections are personalized. Mm. So, like, you don't get any of that from most services like this. Like, this is incredibly cool. If you're a writer, you will, I'm sure you'll be hearing this and being like, wow, I'd really like to add that. Because, mm-hmm. man, sometimes you submit yourself to something and you're like, this sounds like an awesome magazine, you know? And then you don't hear from them for like two years. Mm-hmm. And then they just reject you. And that sucks. Because mm-hmm. your stories, you're waiting with that story. You might want to self-publish it. You might want to submit it somewhere else. But you're also like, but I really like that other lit mag. And yeah. I'd really like to get published there. But I, I, here I'm just waiting. This one right here, though, this tells you like average response times. It tells you how much they pay per word. And it even tells you how often they tend to reply and how many queries they just ignore. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I can use the grinder. It's so much better. I go in and I'm like, that sounds cool, but they only respond to 16% of queries and it takes them 200 days 
Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they did a good job with their copy on their website to convince me I should submit there. But the stats show me that it's a bad move. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's cool. It's just called The Grinder, uh, thegrinder.diabolicalplots.com. And it is by far the coolest like submission filter I have found. I'm really stoked to, to have it. Nice. That does sound like it takes a lot of the stress or at least some of the stress out of what I'm sure is a very stressful process that I have not had to go through myself. Yeah, anything you can alleviate from that process sucking is a good thing. If you're even it's even nice if you're looking just if you just want to publish. There's lots of these unpaid options, but I can see right here like this one. It's uh it doesn't pay, but its average response time is 6 days. Hmm. So I don't mind if you're not going to pay me, if you're going to at least tell me whether you're publishing me or not in a week, Yeah. then cool. I'll submit a story to there that I uh, haven't had luck with elsewhere Yeah. yeah. and accept a publication without pay. Totally. Yeah. You know? So yeah, that's my thing. The grinder for submitting right. your writing. It is awesome. You should check it out. And I, I believe it is exclusively fiction. Okay. Because it's one limitation. It's not a nonfiction thing. Yeah. Well, that sounds awesome. So we've got a bookstore that will send you used books catered to your specific tastes. And we have a article submission website or short story submission website for fiction that takes a lot of the stress and hassle of wondering what journals are looking for and when, when they will get back to you out of the process. Now we're going to talk about a book. This week, well, it's a book and movie, um, but I think we're going to focus mostly on the book today. We're going to focus on Andy Weir's The Martian, which I believe was his debut novel. It is a book about an astronaut named Mark Watney, who is stranded on Mars. And that is essentially the plot. It, it doesn't have a super complex plot. It is about Mark Watney stranded on Mars and his sort of struggle and fight to survive and to get off the planet and how the people on Earth help him to do that. And that's the story in a nutshell, really. There's, no, there's nothing else I can really add, is there, Clay? <laughs> like... No, I mean, the way I think about it is... It reminds me of, like, if you've ever read a story about surviving in Antarctica. Yeah. Uh, when the ship sinks or whatever, like Endurance or something. It's that, but in space. Yeah, that's it. Before we get into our normal segment of forced entrollment, where we both roll a dice and one of us has to defend the book and one of us has to attack the book, we have been doing a new addition to it where the asker asks a trivia question. If the person answering gets it correctly, they get advantage, which for those non-D&D players, that means the winner would get to roll a second time and take the higher of the two rolls. But if the person answering the question gets it wrong, the asker gets advantage. So, Clay, I believe you were supposed to bring me a question this time. Okay, so in The Martian, Mm -hmm. Mark Watney knows that he has to... Uh, travel to the landing site of Ares 4, mm-hmm. um, or at least that's what he thinks initially before they come up with the actual plan to save him, which is the flyby. Yeah. But yeah. initially, yes, thinks he has to travel to the Ares 4 landing site 
to meet up with the people that drop off Ares for, and that's going to happen four years from uh, where he is now. Yes. So how far is the journey to Ares four? Man, that's tough. Uh, he talks about it a lot. Do you want it in distance or souls? I want it in in uh, distance. Okay. I do. I get options, or do I just have to take a stab in the dark here? Uh, I can give you multiple choice. Okay. Okay. Is it two thousand four hundred miles? Is it seven hundred eighty-two miles? Is it two thousand miles, or is it three thousand miles? Oh man, I actually was thinking higher than all of this. <laughs> um, uh, oh, maybe that's because he goes in kilometers. I'm going to go with the first one. It was the first one, the 2000 <laughs> and change. It's just 2000. Ah, oh, man. Oh, 3,200 kilometers. Okay, yeah. Well, you get advantage again. Yay! Second, second in a row, because you got my question last time. Easy. Yeah, you threw me too much of a softball on that one. I did. That's all right. All right, let's roll. Okie dokie. Seventeen. Eleven. Yes! Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, in defense of Andy Weir's The Martian, man, that story is just a heck of a ride. It's so fantastic and fun and isolated all at the same time. Um, I'm a huge fan, actually, of Antarctic adventure stories and stuff like that. Uh, like Endurance is one of my favorite books of all time by Alfred Lansing. And getting to see that in a world of sci-fi is really really fun but i think what i like most about andy weir's work in this in this novel is he took like his cleric character <laughs> you know it's funny that uh watney like says i played a cleric in D D because that's totally like the type of character he is with his botany powers mm -hmm. and his um engineering you know he's like uh, mending things growing things uh, patching everything up. Um, he has like the perfect skill set to be simultaneously the least valued member of his crew, but the most capable of surviving through what he survived, you know? Yeah. Um, cause he, he even talks about how he saw himself as the last member of the crew in, in pretty much every respect, you know? Mm. So I love that, like how what was, val what was valued arguably the least as a member of a spaceship crew is valued like so much and so completely vital when it comes to surviving in the situation he was put in. Mm -hmm. I love Andy Weir's use of humor to keep this story like alive where it could have easily stagnated um, because Mark Watney is just stuck in one place. His struggle is mostly just don't die every day mm -hmm. um, and that I could see that going to a boring place but I think that Andy Weir did fantastic at using Watney as a character to keep things really lively and funny and lighthearted, even though 
he was in such a dire circumstance. And Watney stays true to who he is, like, down to talking to NASA, you know. He never changes who he is, and you see he's such a well-developed character because you see that shine through in every aspect of his being. He's just going to keep going until that isn't an option anymore. Mm. And that's what gets him through. The story is fascinating. All the science is, like, obviously well, well-researched, well-thought-out, well-developed. And Andy Weir just did an excellent job of, like, really putting you in a place where you felt like you could understand what Watney was doing, you mm. know? And it was cool because it was, like, very much like a an everyday hero kind of story to me. Even though he's, like, an astronaut, which is totally not an everyday person, <laughs> you know? When you boil it down to, like, the nuts and bolts of surviving on Mars the way Mark Watney did, everything he did is like, yeah, this is something anyone could learn to do. And I thought that that was a really cool way to look at it because despite how complicated it is and everything, the way Watney talks about it is like it's just a job, you know? Like, it's just something he knows how to do, something that uh, he's figured it out. And it makes you feel like, yeah, anybody could could learn this stuff if they put in the work. And I thought that was pretty cool. I think, I think it, Andy Weir was a scientist before he was an author. And I think it very clearly shows in this book to where a lot of the language is very jargony. I think the format he writes it in doesn't really like lend a hand to that jargony type language where you're getting journal entries from a person who would know the jargon. And he kind of like tries to lighten it up a little where Mark like tries to just like put it into layman's terms for the reader. But at times I'm, I didn't really think it worked that well to the point where I would just like give up trying to understand and be like, okay, I'll just press on. I also don't think that that journal entry format really lends itself to like pacing into the continuation of the action. I think there's a point where I mean, he does switch it up and goes back and forth from like Earth and then to the uh, Ares 3 coming back and then to Watney. Um, but it never felt like soon enough. Watney's chapters just always felt like a little too long where I was like, okay, I'm kind of getting sick of just like reading someone's diary essentially <laughs> who's been on Mars. And like, like you even kind of pointed on it, he pretty much just survives and like that's entertaining enough for the first quarter uh but it does not hold for the second and third acts of the book and i really i just it didn't feel science fiction to me even though it was science fiction it didn't feel science fiction which is hard to explain but like it felt like a survival novel which is not really what i anticipated getting into it felt really kind of more of like a everest set book than it ever felt like a sci-fi novel, which is the genre I kind of was expecting when I jumped into it. Um, not that you need like aliens and weird, crazy stuff to be science fiction. Like it definitely is science fiction, but it didn't feel that way. And I think that is a lot of the format he decided to write it in. I just don't, I didn't really stick with Watney the whole time. And another thing, there's there was opportunities for like the deep, sort of facets of a person who is very 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 close to just tiptoeing into death like being explored and i think watney 
never gets there. There's literally, I remember one moment in the novel where he's like, okay, I'm just gonna give up. And it's literally, it's like one journal entry. And then the next journal entry, he's like, never mind, like, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm gonna keep going. And I would have liked to see kind of the, the darker side of the human psyche, I guess, brought out in like the desperation and not that I wanted Mark Watney to fail, but I just think it'd be a little more, not realistic necessarily, but a little more like well-developed if he had a couple more instances of, hey, I, I really don't know if I can do this anymore type of behavior. And there's really only one in the whole book. Um, I don't really think most of those arguments hold a lot of water. Like, first of all, the... I mean, your first argument contradicts your third because you said it didn't feel like a sciencey story, but then you were like, it was too sciencey. No, so a science like, fiction story. It didn't, not a sciencey story. It didn't feel like a, like a survival novel can be sciencey. Like you need science to get up Everest, and they'll explain all that. But it didn't feel like a, a science fiction novel, which is well, if you, yeah, but if you like. don't want fantasy in space then this is hard sci-fi. This is like the one of the best hard sci-fi books I've ever read. Because a lot of the times, I agree with you, hard sci-fi isn't my favorite because it just gets boring. You're like, okay, I get it, anti-gravity. Like, I don't need three chapters on how that works. And I think Andy Weir did a good job of, this is hard sci-fi, but fun. Instead of Mark Watney sitting there explaining to us how jet fuel works, he goes, I'm going to do all this stuff. I realize I'm not talking to other scientists necessarily. So for those of you who aren't scientists, it means that if I do anything wrong, I explode. <laughs> you know? And I just thought that was great because it's like, yeah, that's what I needed to hear, Mark. Thank you. And, you know, that happens too. Like, I would understand your argument about it being boring uh, if he just, like, like, he's just surviving. If he was just sitting around doing nothing all the time and like wallowing and talking about three's company like that's all he did but he was like so busy and active and things are always going wrong so that kept him on his toes and kept him moving and it kept very real action happening uh like when the airlock blows off and he's like literally stuck inside of it <laughs> or when uh he's worried about all his potatoes dying because he blows up his <laughs> he blows up Fear uh, the, the hat. Fear yes. the wee Yes, that. I have a um brewing company is two SP. They are in association with Wawa, and for the real ones, you know what Wawa is. And for those of you who don't, it is an East Coast chain that's, it's hard to explain why it's so awesome. Because in, in all reality, it's like a 7-Eleven without gas, but it's like better. And I don't know why. <laughs> anyway, so this is a Wawa beer and its name is Sunfest. It is a strawberry lemonade shandy. I went into the uh, beer store today and asked the kind clerk there if he could just give me some beers to test out and this was one of them so sunfest i have Eyinger, which is one of my favorite german breweries um and i'm doing their oktoberfest 
All right. It is getting close to spooky season. It is. I'm getting in the mood. This is a golden amber, so should be good. We love spooky season. All right, here we go. Ooh, it's pink. Oh. Oh, it's very pink. I'm giving, I'm giving the full ASMR experience today. You are. And an expert pour. I just want the audience to know that. This is expert. This is really well done. All right. Now I'll taste. What do you think of yours? Um, it's good. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, I always like Iinger. They they traditionally do hefts and Belchins and Ambers and they're German. They're they've been around since like the sixteen hundreds. Mm-hmm. So they definitely know what they're doing. Yeah, they're uh, awesome. This is very sweet. I kind of drank it warm, which I'm realizing is not the fault of the beer that I'm not enjoying that. It's my fault. I definitely should have got it colder. I think it would be great if you have a couple more weeks left of sunshine uh, to buy a couple of these and get them nice and cold in a cooler. Take them out on the boat. I think it's a great beer for that. It tastes pretty sweet, like a fruit punch, but a little beer mixed in there. Yeah. Nice. That's awesome. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a pretty typical amber, but yeah, Iinger just always does a really good job. It's really smooth, really tasty. No bitterness to it, but you still get like the flavors of that amber, which is really nice. A lot of the times they kind of get, they end up being kind of bitter. Mm-hmm. But this is really good. Well, I guess this is the time that I once again refute what I said. <laughs> do that. I do <laughs> liar. That uh, liar. I do think it teetered. I will say that there were quite a few moments where I just am in awe at how how much of a masterclass this book is in pacing. Andy Weir has such a good grip on pacing because I literally, while reading a few times, was thinking in my head like. Okay, I'm kind of, I'm kind of getting over the Mark Watney bit, and then it would, the next page would be like, back to earth. <laughs> I'm like, how did you know? <laughs> you know? How mm-hmm. did you have your thumb on the pulse of your ear that that well? Um, mm-hmm. It also, in a large part, reminded me of watching uh, Free Solo. The kind of same feelings I had during that movie, where you know that he's still like he's gonna make it. You fully know. I 100% knew Mark Watney was going to live. Just like in Free Solo, I was like, he's alive today, so I know that he makes the climb successfully. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't stop you from while you're reading just being like, oh no, oh no, oh no, <laughs> he's going to die. <laughs> this is so bad. Um, right. So it gave me those sort of same feelings, which was cool. So I just think it was it was a super impressive book just with pacing especially like that's a hard thing to do um and being a big reader of fantasy it's a thing i that goes wrong a lot in the books i read like i love fantasy novels and always will but they have a tendency to drag often and this book did not drag right yeah i agree and i'm usually not the biggest fan of like super hard sci-fi because like (laughs) i said it it tends to get bogged down in the science mm-hmm. and explaining to me how molecules work and stuff mm-hmm. or how a certain atmosphere on a certain planet means that this thing won't work. And I, I'll do some of that, but I don't need it for like three chapters in a row. And though this was doing a similar thing, 
it was doing it in a way that made it really easy to read and zip through and it was just super fun and entertaining the whole time mm-hmm. and like you said there was so much tension subtly there mm-hmm. like because you know he's in a place where he's in imminent mortal danger all the time so the stakes are as high as they get for mark watney yeah yeah your your one argument i would agree with i would have had i would have used this if i were forced to be the troll here Mm-hmm. Uh, I would have used the same argument about Watney being a bit one note. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there's more than one instance where he cracks. There, there's like three or four, I think, maybe three. They're never that long, but they're very. They're always short because he just like screams at his journal, and then the next entry he's like, "Okay, I did my thing. I'm back." Yeah. Um, but I feel like that is how those like moments of anger do tend to work or moments of despair i think with that format it works because you can kind of fill in the blanks like any good piece of art is going to have the reader or the watcher do as much work in like creating the story and like the rhetoric really should guide you into do making the story your own within your own mind while you read and i think like i definitely filled in those gaps between those souls of like oh there was probably like four hours here where he was just deeply deeply in his head and then he comes Mm -hmm. back you know and how did he get back there okay i'll create that image in my head and now we're back okay cool right because mark watney isn't a poet Mm -hmm. you know he's not like gonna sit there and like bleed onto his journal about how in despair he is that's Mm -hmm. completely counter to his personality his personality is like make a joke out of anything that stresses me out Mm mm-hmm so and that's what he does but like you say you can fill in the blanks when there are those dark moments and he like and then there's always a big gap between his next entry and you're like yeah there was some time there where he wasn't doing so hot he's probably still not doing so hot but he's at least back to working working away i think this book too is it had a similar effect uh as a current show i've been watching called uh ted lasso which is on apple Um, I've heard about it a lot. It is excellent for one of the same reasons I will mention. The Martian is excellent in that we need just some like, you know, I just think we need more positive views of the human race these days sometimes. Mm. (laughs) Like, it's so easy these days to be cynical. It is so easy to watch the news and just be like, people suck. Humanity is awful. We all just need to die in an apocalypse. But shows like (laughs) Ted Lasso and books like The Martian show a very real side that I think is reality that would happen. Like when one of us is in dire, dire straits and needs help, there is a tendency, I think, of a lot of people to be like, let's do whatever the heck we can to band together and help these people out. It's, It's hard to see that sometimes, I think, and I love examples of fiction that show sort of the nicer side of humanity rather than like i love a dark story but sometimes i get so bogged down by cynicism and the martian just i love the indian message of one guy was on mars like one man was on mars and Mm -hmm. governments unite people spend years of their lives just to get him back and like it was a cool message i think it was great yeah, that was a great ending to that story. I I love the ending. Mm-hmm. And it's true. 
Yeah, I mean, people will do all kinds of things like that to to help each other and save each other when when they see it as a thing they can unite behind. Mm-hmm. It isn't all bad out there. And Andy Weir, thank you for for reminding us of that with your brilliant, brilliant book. The Martian yeah. is fantastic. If you haven't read it, do. And after you read it, you really ought to watch the movie too, because they killed it as well. I mean, this movie was right, right there next to the book. It, it was, it was really good and really faithful to the book. I, I can't think of much that was, was excluded. I think the one thing I'm kind of realizing about the movie, and it's because I think we've, I've had this debate with, um, our parents, is it doesn't do the science thing as well as Andy Weir does. So it, like, watching it. Mm-hmm you could easily be like, this is so far-fetched. Like, there's no way any of this will work, which is something you literally can't say when you read Andy Weir's book because no. he, he knows his stuff so well that you're reading it and you're like, oh, wow, this is, like, humanly possible. Like, somebody could actually do all this and get off Mars. Whereas mm-hmm. reading the movie, I just don't feel like they can translate that science as well to the screen because a lot of it is, like, journal entry exposition. So... I kind of get when people have come to me about the Martian movie and been like, eh, it was just so far-fetched. Like, he could have never, like, survived launching into the atmosphere with no roof. And I'm like, oh, I guess, like, I get that watching the movie. But if you read the book, it very clearly explains how that works. And Mm -hmm. I think that is one thing the movie misses. But it's still a great movie. I think they did excellent. And again, if you read the book first, you wouldn't have a single qualm with the movie, I don't think. No, it is because they didn't do. Adaptation. It's very uncommon if that's the case, but I re- I truly do feel I I truly don't feel they did the movie the the book a single injustice with the film yeah, in terms I, of the story. I would agree. I think it's the ol- only the second movie I can say that for personally. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the day, it was a fantastic movie. It's a fantastic book. Everybody who created the movie did a great job of doing justice to Andy Weir's masterpiece of a sci-fi novel. So Mm -hmm. good job, everybody, on The Martian. You guys killed it. Mm -hmm. We definitely give a glowing review. And um, for anybody who's listened to the show previously, I keep suggesting my Instagram, and I don't really do much on the Instagram other than, like, polls, and that's just fun. But I'm actually going to start reviewing books on there and try and get into Bookstagram. So... If you want a few more like comments that I made about the Martian, follow me on Instagram at tvermolumog, and I'll also give it a star rating. Um, I go by a ten star rating. I'm not going to get into the reasons why in this episode, but I just don't like the five star rating. I don't think five stars is enough. So yeah, I gave link this in bio. <laughs> I gave this nine out of ten. So you can find Travis on Instagram. You can find me at LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. Link in the description for those things if you're interested. Um, I've also got ClayfordMullenFiction.com, of course. And I give out a free short story every month to my newsletter people. So you should join the newsletter because that would be awesome. All right. Well, that seems like a show, y'all. So thank you for joining us today. Uh, I have been one of your hosts, Travis Vermolum. And I've been Clay Vermolum. And we are both still those people. Bye. Bye.